This topic today, figurative language, wraps up our descriptive writing series. There are many concrete ways to teach students how to write with flavor, spice, voice, and pizzazz, but it is our job to facilitate the learning and create the opportunities for practice. The past few weeks, I touched on show-don't-tell strategies, strategies for writing leads and conclusions, and excellent word choice strategies. Today, we are diving into figurative language and how students can use this to enhance their writing. Figurative language is actually one of my favorite skills to teach, and I cannot wait to share some ideas with you. Let's dive in. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Literacy Dive podcast. My name is Megan, and I am so excited to be able to chat with you about descriptive writing. As I mentioned before, this is the last episode in this descriptive writing series, and I am thrilled about this writing strategy. It is truly one of my favorites and really makes writing come to life. Figurative language is defined as the use of words in a way that deviates from the conventional order in meaning in order to convey a complicated meaning, colorful writing, clarity, or comparisons. I'm going to be honest, it is pretty tricky to uncover this at first, but while it is tricky, this is still a powerful way to express language and writing, and it's also a powerful way to keep your readers engaged. There are some common types of figurative language, and if your students have not had much exposure to this or don't have a solid grasp on this new understanding, you will probably want to explore with basic similes and metaphors at the very, very beginning. I love diving into other forms of figurative language like personification, hyperboles, onomatopoeia, idioms, alliteration. But sometimes you really do just have to wade in the waters of metaphors and similes for a bit before taking a deep plunge into the deeper depths of figurative language. You will want to teach the different types so that when examples are spotted, they have a name and that form can be explained due to the makeup of the word or the phrase and the elements that it includes. So definitely make sure that you are exposing your students to figurative language, and if they have no idea about it, have never heard about it, start with similes and metaphors. We are going to cover a handful of strategies that you can implement to get this form of descriptive writing to appear in student writing. Remember, you want to teach the different types explicitly so students are aware of what to look for or what elements can prove the type of figurative language that they are coming across. I cannot stress that enough. Teach it, teach it, teach it. So let's go ahead and get into these different ideas that you can use. Idea number one, you probably have caught on to this from all of the other episodes that I've shared, but use figurative language in your daily speaking and writing. Can you find places to use figurative language phrases and expressions to exaggerate or to bring more life to your own speaking? 
This is honestly one of the most natural ways of exposing students to this form of language that can very well be used to enhance their writing, making it far more descriptive than before. So as you know, I love giving examples, and so there are ways that you can just be able to use this every single day in your speaking or in your writing and allowing your students to start understanding why you used it, what it means, and how they can be able to use it as well. So as an example, I could just say, today I'm really tired, but I also could make a very, very easy simile out of this, and I could just say, I am as tired as a newborn baby. And you could take it a step farther and ask, why did I compare my tiredness to a newborn baby? And they're going to start talking about that newborn baby and talking about how babies like to sleep all the time and how they just, you know, they need that rest. And so... That's going to be my comparison to let me know I need a lot of rest and I need to sleep. I also could say, I am so hungry, I could eat 200 hot dogs right now. Now, we all know that I can't physically eat 200 hot dogs, nor would I want to, but that just expresses how hungry I am, and that is something very easy that I could say before lunchtime or after seeing a video about food and just making me hungry or reading about food. So that's another way that you can just add that in there. I ran as fast as a bolt of lightning to my car. So when thinking about that, we know that when we see lightning, it is like super quick, super fast. Sometimes you miss it. And so we can make that connection. Or I could just say something like the wind blew on me and we can start talking about personification. Like can the wind physically blow like people can blow, but how we give that wind a form of personification. Anytime you can add the language into your everyday talk with your students, they are going to start using it too. Trust me. It's going to be a whole classroom full of figurative language and it's going to make your whole heart so, so happy. So put these elements into your modeled scaffolded writing as well. You can revise the original sentence to make a home for figurative language And make it a big deal at how much better your writing sounds. I love being able to reread the before and the after and just showing how proud I am that this sounds so amazing for my reader. And then also I could ask them, which one do you like better? And so this is just a way to kind of naturally get figurative language into the lives of your students. Idea number two for you is to use select mentor text. Now, you can find a variety of mentor text, and those are going to be able to lend themselves well to the different types of figurative language. Honestly, figurative language is all around us, and so there are some examples of text that you actually might already have in your possession that are great for teaching figurative language. Some of those are the book Scarecrow, or When Sophie Gets Angry, Really, Really Angry, My Mouth is a Volcano, Owl Moon, More Parts, Fireflies, Roller Coaster, and if you are like me, you probably have a whole entire library of Amelia Bedelia books. Those are great for figurative language and also just being able to explore with poetry books. Now, while reading these texts to your students, you might want to start asking these questions. And if you need to, write these on a sentence stem, put these on an anchor chart, write these on an index card and keep it near to you. But you can ask these same questions repetitively whenever you come across one of those figurative language phrases. The first question you can ask is, 
what is meant by the figurative language expression blank? And you're going to fill in that blank and just get them thinking about that. Then you could ask them, why did the author choose to use this type of figurative language? So start thinking about the context of what was written and what power that particular figurative language had over another. You can then ask, how did this type of figurative language add to the story and the way that it was told? So now you're going to get them to start thinking about the application of this word. And then you can ask them, how did the author use figurative language to enhance the text? So this is ultimately getting them to the descriptive piece. And then the link that they can do it to is also being an author. Now, these questions are going to help students to make sense of this new language and its overall purpose of what it can do in writing. Now, one additional question that I do like to ask, it's kind of abstract a little bit, but I also like to ask them, what other type of figurative language would have been really powerful here if the author chose to not use alliteration or not use onomatopoeia or not use hyperbole? And I like to try to get them to think about what else could be powerful here to let them know that there are different figurative language ideas that we can be able to apply to our writing. There is not just one that will work. So those are some questions that you can be able to write down and just go ahead and get that into your classrooms. Idea number three is going to be to read poetry. Now, this is something that I feel like a lot of teachers just don't really dabble into enough or they wait until the very end in April during poetry month to be able to dive into poetry. But taking a deep dive into poetry is going to be so crucial to helping your students explore figurative language. You can find a variety of poems in size, in depth, different makeups, and you can let students read them and explore with them. Even if they are not truly understanding the whole entire context and meaning behind the poem, there are a lot of figurative language phrases that we probably still can make meaning of, and we're looking at that connection. So do this exploration whole group first, or you could even do it in small groups, but I would definitely do it guided before letting your students have a poem and go off on their own or with a partner to try to figure this out. Poetry is tricky. It is a tricky, tricky genre, so many might need help due to the fact that it is written in such a way that is not necessarily like a fiction text or even a nonfiction text. And so you really have to have some deep thinking and take that thinking to a whole new level when you are dealing with poetry. So I would suggest doing it whole group or in small groups. I also love using highlighters for this. So if you are able to make a copy or print the poems for kids, they can highlight whenever they find these figurative language phrases, and those are ones that you can really kind of dive deep into. And ultimately, as a group, what you want to do is identify the type of figurative language, explain what that language phrase means, and determine if it enhanced the poem. And if some kids are like, no, it didn't, then you can probe them by saying, well, what could they have used to make it better? So with this type of routine, maybe you just want to decide that one day per week for the school year, you want to dedicate to poetry and more so to finding figurative language. The ongoing practice is going to be so helpful for your students. So really, really, really think about how you can pull poetry into your school day. 
Hey teachers, I'm interrupting this episode for a quick moment because if you're listening to this podcast, then I'll bet you have students who dread writing time. Or maybe you are out of ideas, time, and energy when it comes to planning your writing block. You work so hard, so for once, give yourself the gift of having the planning done for you. My monthly writing prompts are trusted by hundreds of teachers and are a no-prep way to spark your students' interest in writing while highlighting special days that occur worldwide. The best part? There's a prompt for every single day of the year. Did I mention that it's already done for you? So what are you waiting for? Head to theliteracyguide.com slash prompts to grab your year-long bundle of writing prompts. Idea number four is going on a figurative language hunt. So here you are simply going to be looking for examples, keeping your eyes open, keeping your magnifying glass held in your hand. It's make-believe, of course, but you are going to go through text and find figurative language and explain the type and what it means. You can use task cards for examples. You can use real text from small group books that you're reading. You can use your read-alouds. Or you could even use other types of print that you might choose to bring into the classroom, including poems like I mentioned before. You are going to want to allow your students to write down these examples. You want to encourage them to write down these examples. And you want to keep them on a classroom anchor chart. You can keep it really interactive this way and allow students to add to that chart at any time they come across this interesting figurative language in their day-to-day life at school or even whatever they've seen at home. They can write it down and bring it to your chart. Then when students are writing, they might want to go up there and read over some of them and borrow those examples or use them for inspiration. So I love keeping an interactive chart somewhere in the room that encourages them anytime you find it. It does not matter what we're doing. Grab a sticky note, write it down, and go and put it on the chart. You have permission. Kids love it. You'll oftentimes see kids like, oh, I found one. They're writing it quickly and getting up to go and stick it, and you already know it's going to happen. The other students are going to want to do it too. It's like little ants. They just, one does it, and then they all want to do it. So soon, you're going to have all of your students really paying attention to this different type of language, and with all of these examples, they can now be used for student writing. This next idea is a really enjoyable one. I just like to call it finish the phrase. And this is our fifth idea. Students love games. I mean, teachers love games too. So you can turn this skill and exploration into a game. You will want to begin with a phrase for students to complete using exaggerated speech. So for example, you could start with, I am as hot as, and then you're going to encourage students to fill in the blank. You could also say, her face is green like, he is as strong as, the stars are bright like, it was as white as. Now, for some of these examples, they're going to be very, very general and very, very basic, and that's okay. That's the whole idea here is that you want your students to feel success. When they feel success, then they can take it a step up and make it a a little bit harder and a little bit tricky, and you can start encouraging them to explore a little more. But in the beginning, take what they give you. But for example, for it was as white as, for this one, a lot of kids are going to automatically write down snow. At least that was in my example. 
And while we are going to accept this answer, we can also use this as an opportunity to be more creative. So I just like to say, what else is really, really white? Hmm. And so I like to just kind of look up to the sky and I like to just think about and I think out loud, what else is really, really white? So maybe you can make the connection with it being as white as a newly bleached t-shirt or as white as a marshmallow. And so as we can start thinking about these other things, it's going to help kids to think about, yes, snow is white, but we can be more creative and think about other things that are white as well. I always will start with similes and metaphors and then move into the trickier forms of figurative language. And this simply shows that within their sentences, they can continue their phrase, or in that case, their sentence, with figurative language too. All right, number six is figurative leads and figurative conclusions. Now for this, I like to make an anchor chart, whole group, or it can be student-made, that simply lists interesting leads and conclusions, but these will have figurative language beginnings and endings, and those can be notated, and that's going to help students to make the connection between possibly starting and or ending their writing with figurative language too. So this is just paying attention to whenever this pops up in a book or whenever this pops up in some form of writing. So you will definitely have to bring these examples into the classroom at first, but then as kids are seeing this, whether it's a mentor text of reading or whether it's an exemplary piece of writing, whenever they can be able to see it and notate that they started or ended with figurative language, you want to make a note of it. So again, a big anchor chart works really great for that, or you could even just have your students have one sheet of paper in their notebook. They can be able to list whatever they see on their own in their notebooks, and that works as well too. So if you have not already listened to episode 95, go listen to that episode because I actually share more details on basic writing leads and writing conclusions in that episode, but know that you can easily merge figurative language into that writing hook and writing conclusion mix as well. I do not want to say that I am saving the best for last because I genuinely love all of the different activities for different purposes within the school day, but this last idea is one that students have loved and raved about, and so I like to call this one Make It Art. With this idea of making it art, you are going to want to take a poem or a piece of text from a book. Maybe that has a lot of descriptive elements in that one paragraph, and so you can be able to pull it out of a fiction book. Either way, no matter what you're using, it should include figurative language like personification, let's say, for example. You are going to have students draw two pictures connected to that poem or that piece of text. One picture is going to illustrate the literal meaning, and the other is going to show the figurative language meaning of the same piece of text, the way that it was written, but the two different ways that we can see it, the literal and the figurative. So kids love this, and it really is a creative way of seeing what they see and what they interpret from the different phrases that they're hearing. And let's just make this connection to reading. When we are reading figurative language and it comes in a book, some kids have so many different ways that they can define it. And so this is a way of just kind of opening up the ideas that like, yes, there are different things that we can see. 
But if students are by chance having a hard time getting to the actual meaning, then this is going to help to draw them in by hearing other kids' examples. So again, for this one, my recommendation is to start easy, like capital E-A-S-Y, and then enhance the depth as students are comfortable and as they're ready to explore. An easy place to find examples are straight from your student text, but you can also find phrases upon phrases upon phrases by searching the web or looking in a variety of books. So go ahead, use that poetry you're reading, grab that snippet of a descriptive element, take a little example, whether you're creating it yourself or whether you find it somewhere online, Bring it into your classroom, read it to your students, and allow them to explore by making it art and sharing what they see, what they hear, what they uncover by way of drawing two different pictures. You could also add in the element of writing by having them write to explain what they came up with. I hope you are getting so many ideas of how to support your students when it comes to writing descriptively. Many of your students would probably love to write creatively, but they just haven't had true teaching or experience with making it come to life. So guess what? You get to be the change for them. And that is so exciting. You get to be the one that exposes them to so many different elements that they can pick and choose from to enrich the reading experience for their audiences. I hope you are ready to commit to your class and to teach show-don't-tell, writing leads and conclusions, exciting word choice, and figurative language, all which are going to make writing so much more enjoyable to read. So as a recap, I want to relist the ideas that are shared in today's episodes and anything that I've mentioned, any keywords you've heard, and also supports to all of these four different areas of writing. I can provide links for you in the show notes, so check it out there if you want some supports for your students. But as a recap, these are the ideas shared from today. Use figurative language in your daily speaking and writing. Use select mentor text that lends itself well to figurative language. Read poetry. Go on a figurative language hunt. Do the activity finish the phrase. Find specific figurative leads and figurative conclusions, and then make it art. Next week's episode is one you are not going to want to miss. It is the last episode of the month, and I am bringing on a special guest. We can't wait to be back with you next Monday. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram at The Literacy Dive. I would love to hear from you in my DMs. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.